God is good, isn't he? He's got a plan and a purpose for each of you. That's right, all the time. He's got a plan and a purpose for us, doesn't he? We just thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, that you're here with us. Just pray, Lord, that your word, Lord, it's life to us. I pray that it would get down deep in us, Lord, like your word says, in good soil, so that it can produce, Lord, life in us and fruit out of us, in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to continue right along with what I was talking about last week. This will be part two. And uh, we've got some faces from last week, some not. So if you heard some of it last week, then this will be extra emphasis. If you haven't, uh, if you weren't here last week, I do encourage you to go and listen on our podcast. And uh, we believe the Lord's got something special in each of these two parts. But I just want to start with Matthew 24. I'm going to take the text from here. I'm going to go from here. Let the Holy Spirit lead us. Matthew chapter 24 verse 37. Matthew 24, verse 37. It says, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. It says, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. Everybody say Noah's day. It will be like it was in Noah's day. So today... Today, who believes the Lord is returning soon? <laughs> Who's looking for his coming? <laughs> it's a healthy thing to look for his coming. Don't be the scoffer. Remember, I'm not going to re-preach that, but I just will mention it quickly. Last week, I mentioned that one of the signs of the end times, one of the signs that his time is coming soon is that scoffers would say, oh, they've been saying that for a long time. That's one of the signs. So if you're hearing that, then that's good. That means he is coming soon, isn't he? Jesus is going to return. And if not, in your lifetime, your lifetime is still ticking away. And I say that often because that's the truth. Let's just be real that we have an eternal vision, don't we? We are heavenly minded. We are not temporal minded. We are not temporary minded. Who knows, there's two different types of people who get money. One person, when they get a dollar, they spend it before they even hit their hand. The other type, they save it <laughs> mentally before they even made it. And we need to be the type that looks eternally. We need to know that this place is temporary. That the life that you are in, you need to be rescued from and then not hang there, but you've been rescued, so there is another place. There is another place that you're looking forward to than here. It is true that you were born a human being. If you are a human and you're here today, raise your hand. <laughs> okay. It's a good way to see if people don't want to raise their hand, you want to raise their hand, just ask a really simple question. Sorry, I'm not making fun of anybody who didn't. I wasn't paying attention. We are human, but this is not your home. Adam and Eve were born, they were born from the dust. God made them out of the dust of the earth, made human beings. God made them humans that were eternal. And sin separated their eternity from their humanity. Does that make sense? 
Sin separated eternity from humanity. Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus came, he bridged the gap, and he gave you life again. Now that place that we were stuck in, in sin, has been removed through the acceptance of Jesus Christ, right? Through the acceptance of him into your life, through the washing of his blood, the baptism. We are once and for all, instantly, instantly eternal. Once again. The Bible says... In Romans, says it in Colossians, my favorite chapter in the whole Bible, Colossians 3, that we are seated with Christ. I love it because it says, why are you thinking about things of this earth? Why are you thinking about the earth? Why are you thinking so earthly? The Holy Spirit started to speak to me the last couple of weeks, this verse, and he's just started, actually a, a theme, but there are some verses to back up the theme he started speaking and saying, if you love this world, the love of the Father is not in you. If you love this world, the love of the Father is not in you. And when the Holy Spirit speaks, you should listen. Whether you agree with him or not, whether you think he's got the right number or not, <laughs> he knows which number to dial when he calls you. He hasn't hit the wrong number. When he starts speaking, listen. So then I have to say, okay, Lord, where's the love of this world in me? Where is my love of this world? And you know, it can be a subtle, I'm not saying this is it. I'm still, the Holy Spirit is open to do whatever he wants in me and he can check anything he wants in me and we should all do the same. But just by being worried about the day-to-days is such a temporary, it's such a temporary waste of our time to worry about the day-to-day. I do it all the time, so I'm not pointing my fingers. I'm looking at myself when I say that. But when I worry about my day-to-day, worry about this life, that's what he's talking about, about the love of the world. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to say, I love this world and I love the things of this world. You don't have to say you love them. You could just be showing that you care or you're thinking more about the earth Your time, your focus is more earthly than heavenly. And the Lord needs us as his church right now. Well, there's still time. Everybody say, well, there's still time. time. You know, there's only so much time. (laughs) There's only so much. I'm going to say that often in this church because there's only so much time. Our time is ticking away. And the Bible says that there would be a day, come on, there would be a day that he would return again. There would be a day where you say goodbye to this human world and we say hello to our eternal life with him. And it says, verse 38, in those days before the flood, in the day we're living in right Now, because he's comparing to the times when he comes again, it would be like the days of the flood, that just before the flood, people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People were just living life, life as usual, you know, investing, saving, vacationing, mowing the grass, having a wedding, having a party, whatever. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. That's not his point. He's actually not condemning them for those things. He's just saying that they were just living life without him, just going on in life. And one day, one day, who's ever been on a highway where you could actually see the the wall of rain? 
Who's ever seen that, you know, because, you know, rain has a wall somewhere. And when you see it on the map, it's easy to look and it's over your house or it's not. But I've been on the highway where you can actually watch the wall up ahead. You can see where it's wet, it's still dry. And instantly I was dry and now I'm wet. Instantly. It's right there. It's right in front of us. Eternity is in front of us. Jesus' return is in front of us. It's so easy because we're human. Who's been in the dentist seat and it's only 15 minutes to get that cavity drilled, but it feels like 15 years. When we're in pain and, and we're just, we're, we're human and the Lord knows that. But <laughs> when, we are, when we are temporal thinking, we lose sight of the big purpose that, hey, a little tiny bit of pain is actually going to be great because now this thing's not going to become a much bigger issue. Who's had a root canal? That's not fun. <laughs> you get the cavity filled. <laughs> that is certainly not enjoyable. We need to listen to the Lord now while there's still time because the Bible warns that people would just be going on with life and it says, verse 39, they didn't realize. Everybody say they didn't realize. They didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. So, verse 42, so you too, everybody say, me too, I must keep watch. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. It's so healthy for us, I said last week, it's so healthy for us to be expecting Jesus all the time. I don't want to retell the whole thing, but when you're not ready... <laughs> When, when we think we can get away with something, humanity does. If we think that we're going to get caught, I hate, you know, it shouldn't even be that way. Jesus would rather you just choose to do what's right because you love him. He'd rather, a parent would rather a child to do right because they love them. Here's what I'm going to, I'm going to tell you. Now, it can be law to you or it can be love to you. It's your choice as the child. Don't go out tonight. That's my command. But I can, as the child, hear it as love. My father cares for me because he knows the dangers out at night. The child can hear it as law and has the choice to sneak out and break it or to listen. Either way, he'd rather it to be love, but either way, the law, the thing that he's spoken was there for our own good. And either way, God will do what he says. God will do what he says. If God says, don't go out tonight, if you learn it by love, who's been there, who's made that wrong decision? <laughs> who's gone out when you shouldn't have gone out? <laughs> Who should have listened to mom and dad? All of us. All of us. We've all been there. Every one of us. No matter how good you are, we've all made that mistake at least once. We should have listened. But I thank you, Lord, for your grace, right? His grace covers us. And then we learn sometimes the hard way. And we realize, okay, Lord, I'm going to listen to you. It's not law, it's love. But at the end of the day, there is a law. Come on. The law of gravity, it can be law or it can be love. When I'm standing on a building, I can respect gravity 
and say, I love you, and I realize that you love me. You're caring for me by telling me, don't jump off this ledge. (laughs) Or I can look at it as law and say, you're just restricting me and find out what happens when I break it. Does that make sense? (laughs) Come on, the Lord is speaking to us today. We're ready all the time. It keeps us safe. It's just such a safe way. The scoffer, those that really show that they really don't care about God. They don't care about God's ways. The ones who say, oh, he's, you know, we've heard that for so long. My generation heard it. Jesus was coming in the 80s. Jesus was coming in the 1800s. Oh, he was, I mean, I heard it all too. I mean, I've, I've grown up thinking it too. But I will not. If the Bible warns me not to be that scoffer, then that's what I need to listen to. I'm not going to listen to the books two and four. I'm going to go to the book that says, be ready all the time. Amen? And it keeps us safe because I believe the Lord is also telling us whether he's returning right now or not, there is a strong delusion coming. There is a flood that has already began to come. If you, if you are paying attention, it's actually the clouds are already forming above us. Even if the drops haven't fallen yet, there is, if you are looking, Jesus told us to look, didn't he? Just as the world does, and they know when the storm is coming. Jesus said, you know when a, a storm's coming because you look at the sky. He said, you know when the seasons are going to change because you can see the bud who sees the buds outside and know that spring is trying to come out. It's trying. (laughs) The buds are there. I mean, winter can try to hold on, but it's going to have to let go. It may be longer than we expected, but it can't hold on forever. And the, the, the world cannot hold on forever. It's just one day you're going to wake up. My kids were looking at, we have a tree in our yard and they said, wow, it looks like it was just grew grew instantly. It is like that overnight. The bud is there and then instantly it starts turning color. And there's a strong delusion. In fact, it's a multi-level flood. It's a multi-fold flood that's coming. In one respect, there's the actual uh, return of Jesus that we're looking for. We need to get into the ark just as Noah did because of his actual return. The second fold is world events of biblical proportions. Whether he returns or not, not, we need to be ready in him for actual events like the flood. He said, I won't flood the the, uh, world again. That's not how I will judge the world again. But he did not promise that if you go through the rest of the Bible, there are many things in biblical flood-like proportion that will come on this earth. That's just the Bible. That's not me. It's not my opinion. That's the Bible. I got to preach the whole word, right? Come on, say preacher. (laughs) Preach the whole word. (laughs) I got to preach the whole Bible. (laughs) And then there's the third part. That's the two folds. There's a third fold, and that's the delusion. It's many religions, and we know it's easy for a Christian to say, well, that's a, that's a, a false religion. But the hard part, and the Bible warns us, is that there would be an apostasy that would come in the last days that would be so strong that even the elect, the Bible calls, that's not a pride thing, Um, the right language there, you may know it as elect if you've been reading the Bible for a long time, but the proper, maybe modern time word for that would be those that really love Christ, the real believers, 
the true believers. It says that a strong delusion and apostasy would come. They would be so strong that even those that really walked with God would be pulled away. That's the Bible. That's not my opinion. Who believes me? Who's read it and says, okay, I'm checking your references. I've checked your references. That's the truth. They're going to begin to twist our faith. And that's what the devil does. The devil twisted the faith. Did you know that? Right at the very beginning, we go right back to the garden. Sin hadn't even been pronounced yet. We don't even know what that word is yet. And what did Satan do with Eve? He twisted the word. He said, did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really say? Eve should have right then and there said, yes. That's what God said. Instead, it says she looked. She liked the fruit. The world has a way, the longer you stare at it, the longer you stare at that thing. You're, see, the Bible says that sin doesn't come instantly. The Bible says in James that we are drawn away. And you know what it says? It doesn't say we're drawn away by the devil. We're not drawn away by sin. We're drawn away by our own desires. Everybody say that. I need you to get that today. Holy Spirit needs you to get that. Say, my own desires draw me away. The desire, it says, gives birth to sin. So sin is not even the first. It's not, okay, I need to be delivered from sin. There's a desire that you need to get rid of. There's a desire that the devil, that's where he's going to work. And the longer you stare at it, the more the desire grows. It becomes sin. Now, we're not lost then, are we? Jesus came to deliver who? Did he come to deliver the healthy? Came to deliver the sinner. So there is hope. If your desire gave birth to sin, before James says what will happen, what, is, what happens if you don't let Jesus get rid of your sin, if we don't give it to him? James tells us death. It says that then sin gives birth to death. But Jesus came to rescue us. That means the Bible is clear that there is a delusion. The Bible is clear that there is the word and there is the ability for it to be twisted. We're talking first generation. Walked with God. Adam and Eve walked with God in the flesh. They walked with him in the flesh. And when he wasn't looking, he always was looking, wasn't he? (laughs) When they thought he wasn't looking, he wasn't really wondering where they were when he said, Adam and Eve, where are you? Where are you hiding? He knew exactly where they were. He knew exactly what happened. He loves you. Did you know that Jesus loves you? Jesus loves you so much. He loves us so much. He has preserved his word for us. And I want you to just go over to the book of Genesis if this time, this Noah time, is the time we're in, I just want you to look quickly. The book of Genesis chapter 7. Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. Noah made preparations. There's some prep time. That's another sermon, which I don't have time for. Kind of touched a little bit on it last week. There's some prep time. There's a two-fold prep. There's our own preparation Jesus tells us scripture after scripture to be prepared, to prepare, to prepare, 
to prepare. But there's also the other side that Jesus has prepared for you. Jesus said, behold, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Did you know that Jesus prepares the way before you? The Bible says that the word of God is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. The word, Jesus, is the word, came to life, right? The word is actually going before you. If you are willing to follow it, who knows you're allowed to go any direction you want. You don't have to follow the word, but if you will follow it, he's already preparing your steps. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. The Lord will order your steps if you will let him. And the Bible says that when everything was ready, the time's coming. There's only so much time and then it will be ready. There's the clouds forming and then there's the the flood. It's instantly. I mean, before it rains, it hasn't rained. This is very common sense. I know I'm just speaking very, very basic. This is uh, welcome to Children's Church. If it hasn't rained yet, it hasn't rained, but it's coming. You know it's coming. You can look at the sky and say, it's coming. It's coming. And one day, the Lord said to Noah, can you pull it up in the New King James? It says, he said to Noah, he said, come into the ark. I want you to say that out loud. Come into the ark. The Lord is speaking the very same thing to you today. If today is like the days of Noah, then let's look at Noah. And the Lord said, but I've made a way. There's a way to be safe. There is a flood coming. It's a flood of delusion. It's a flood of, of and in the natural. I mean, there's some natural things there that come too. It's not just a spiritual delusion. There are many, many, many things that have been prophesied that we haven't seen. The Bible says in Revelation that a third of the world will die in one event. In one event, a third of the world will pass away. That is two point something billion people. That's a lot of people. And it's hard to even imagine. But try to picture in Noah's day. What are you doing with that building on ground? Because <laughs> it's got to be a building. It's not a boat because that doesn't make sense. Why would you build a, a boat on dry ground? So you must be building a building, Noah. What is this building? What is this building? It doesn't need to make sense. It doesn't need to be logical because God has shown us many times over and over and over again in the word that it's not logical. He doesn't need to be logical, and he usually isn't. And I said last week, if you need to understand him before you believe him, it's really rebellion and stubbornness. Because by the time that you understand it, it's already raining outside. Making sense, guys? And he said, come into the ark. Your word today is this. Your word today is come out of the world and come into the ark. Come out of the world and come into the ark. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, he said, therefore, come out. Say that out loud, come out. The Bible said to come out from among unbelievers. Come out from among unbelievers. See, Jesus said you are in the world, but you are not of the world. You cannot be of the world. 
Jesus would have told us it was possible. He would have said, you're in the world and you're of the world. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. Now, Jesus went to the unbeliever because the unbeliever needs to be reached. But he never became like the unbelievers. He never lowered his standard. In fact, we love this story. The woman is caught in the very act of adultery. Who knows this story? She's caught in the act. She's caught in sin. And the, the punishment was death by stoning. And here she is. And here are those that are accusing her. She falls at Jesus' feet. And Jesus, he says, whoever has not committed a sin, cast the first stone. And they go. He first identifies that we're all sinners. We all need him. But then she's still there and he says, where are those that condemn you? Is there no one to condemn you? He says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Everybody said that out loud, because I don't think you believe me. <laughs> Go and sin no more. Did Jesus say, you adulterer, grace unto thee? Was Jesus standing there in grace? Yes, of course he was. Did Jesus love her? Was his, a blood, his, was his blood that was about to be shed for her? So when he told her, go and sin no more, was it him putting in rules and regulation or love? It's his love, isn't it? See, we were unbelievers. Say, I was an unbeliever. I used to be like the world. I used to be like the world. Come on, it's gotta be past tense. You got to come out of the world and go into the ark because the Bible says, don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. Come on, this is the true gospel. Who's heard these verses recently? Anybody? <laughs> Maybe from the Holy Spirit. Maybe not in sermons. It says in Revelations chapter 18, verse 2, he said he gave a mighty shout and he said, Babylon has fallen, that great city has fallen. And Babylon in the Bible, time and time again, the symbolism to Babylon was the world. The type and shadow here is the world. And in the world, the time has come. The Lord's going to judge the world. He doesn't want to. Did you know that hell was not designed for human beings? It wasn't made for you. Who was it made for? The devil and his angels. That's it. It wasn't made for you. The only reason a person goes there is because they decide to follow the devil. Why did Jesus come and say, follow me? He said, come. He came even the way he called the disciples. He said, come. Come and follow me. I'll show you the way. I have the way to life. Follow me. It said that Babylon is fallen, that great city is fallen. She has become a home for demons. She is a hideout for every foul spirit, a hideout for every foul vulture. It sounds just like what he said in, to Noah's day, wasn't it? 
evil was in the world and foul and dreadful animal. And verse 3, it says, For all nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her. Because of her desires for extravagant luxury, the merchants of the world have grown rich. Then I heard another voice calling from heaven, Come away from her, my people. The word for you today is come away from her, come out of her. Come out of her, my people. Do not take part in her sins. Or, what does it say? Don't worry, there's grace. What's that verse say? Who is he talking to when he's speaking the book of Revelations? To the world or to the church? Because I'm pretty sure if you go back, he said, I want you to write this letter to the seven churches, not to the seven worldly regions. That's interesting that we consider our world seven continents, seven regions rather, right? I don't even know if it's continents today. Don't ask me. I don't know anything. I always mess it up from here. You know what I mean. He said to the seven churches, to the church, and he said that if we take part in the world's sins, we will be punished as the world is going to be punished. God doesn't want to punish anyone. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary. All, come to me, I will give you rest. Jesus is calling for all the world to come to him. It says that he wishes that no one would perish. No one. But God is just. If I let my child talk back to his mother day in and day out, I'm going to give him some grace. First, I'm going to say, don't watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Come on, God's a God of grace, isn't he? More grace than humans give humans. <laughs> We're very short-fused. God is long-fused. God is long, but eventually the fuse runs up. Who's ever watched a fuse? Anybody seen one? Who's ever played with a fuse? All the men in here can raise your hand. I love fireworks. I watch that fuse, man. There's a, there's a split second. That fuse is gone, and there is a split second. It's funny, your mind can actually, it's amazing how time can just slow down. Boom. The Lord is speaking to us because the fuse is running, but it hasn't gone out yet. If you are sitting here and you are breathing, then there's still a chance to repent. Repentance is the foundation to our salvation. There is no such thing as salvation without repentance from sin. It doesn't make sense. It's Jesus paid the price for our sins, so then we repent for our sins, and as soon as we do that, God looks through the blood of Jesus at you, who is in repentance, and he sees the punishment paid. But he tells us, tells the church, tells the church, which means that there is the possibility that even though you've repented from old sins, that you could still commit sins. Who's forced you to come to Christ? Anybody felt forced to accept Jesus? Anybody feel forced when you committed sin? We did it by choice. Committed sin by choice. 
We chose Jesus by choice. Let's keep making that choice to reject sin and choose Christ. Reject sin, choose Christ. You don't need to get cleaned up. He'll clean you up. But it has to be, I'm sorry for them. Forgive me for them. I don't want this in my life anymore. That's what repentance is. It's not let me get everything perfect and get my house all swept and clean and get it all pretty, Lord, so you can come in and sit with me. It's I give it to you because I don't even know how to clean this place up. I don't even know how to clean this place up. But I give it to you, Lord. I know you can. He's telling us that if we don't give it to him, that punishment, the flood is coming. The end of our days, we are not even promised the second we're breathing right now. The only promise you have is you will pay taxes next year. That's it. There is no promise of the breath we're even breathing, but the Lord has given it to us by grace. That's grace. Come on, say grace is God giving me time to understand that his way is the only way. There's your definition of grace. We're trying to define it. The church and the world's trying to define grace. That's grace. You got to come to the conclusion that there is no other way. We got to get in the ark now because the clouds are forming. I want to very quickly in these last minutes, I just want to tell you some things. This word ark, when he said build an ark in, Re- in uh, Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, he said build an ark. And then in verse uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 14, he says that the ark would be waterproofed with tar inside and out. And the Bible says this word ark is the Hebrew word taba, or teva. Don't worry about how I'm pronouncing it. It's T-E-B-A-H, and it's teva. And it means a box. A box. That's it. It sounds really special when we say ark. But the definition is a box. And I thought this was so interesting because the church is always saying we need to let God out of the box. We need to let God out of the box, which is the truth. You ready for this statement? Let me finish it for you. We need to let God out of the box, and we need to get in the box. We've been outside the box too long doing what we thought we could do, doing church our ways, doing whatever we want. Who's been outside the church and found it doesn't work? Being a Christian outside of the church, can you be a Christian? Is it technically possible? Can you be saved? Can you go to heaven? Can you read your Bible on your own? Can you pray on your own? Absolutely. But over time, what happens? We just drift away. We get complacent. God created a box on purpose because he knows how to keep us safe. He says, listen, you cannot be out there on the own because on your own because as soon as it starts to rain, you're not going to be able to get in. It's going to be too late. The delusion's already got you. It's too late. And I'm saying this as a pastor of a church of the churches of the world. Those out there listening in virtual world, podcasts, doesn't matter what church you're in. You need to be around other believers that are sharpening you. God has put you in a box on purpose. He's calling you into his box We need to let the Holy Spirit out, but we need to get in. 
We need to come out of the world and go inside of a place that he put there on purpose to protect us. Who likes being inside four walls and told you can't leave? Anyone? Our humanity doesn't like it. Our flesh doesn't like it. Who likes being claustrophobic? Who's claustrophobic in here? Probably most people are a little bit claustrophobic. Some people are a lot of it. He was stuck. You know what the other thing about this ark is? Once he got in, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that once Noah went into the ark, the Bible says that God shut him in. Did you know that? You know that Noah didn't close the door to the ark. There was a time he called him in, called him in, he knows, okay, it's going to be there soon, it's coming, soon it's coming, soon it's coming, soon it's coming. The Lord says, now come in. Now's the moment. And the Bible says that the Lord sealed up the door. And there's a couple different parallels to there. One is that once time is done, time is done. There is no going back. There is no, you know, let me get a second chance. When it's too late, it's too late. But the other thing is, is that once you get in, you know, the ark, it was a box and it was a box without a rudder had no way to steer, had no sail, had no paddles. It was sealed. It was protected. It was closed. The Lord closed it. The Lord sealed it. But there was no way for you to decide where you're headed. You get in the Lord's will. You need to get into his will now. You need to get in amongst the believers now. The Lord will sharpen you. He will, inside that place, it will protect you. It will keep you safe from the delusion, from the floodwaters, from hell itself. But once you get in, the Lord will lead. We want to get in and say, okay, now where's the, give me the rudder. I know where I'm headed. No, you don't. <laughs> where's the sail? I got, I got a destination to get to. You let the Lord worry about that, but we don't want to, we want control. Noah went in totally blind. They left little vents, little windows at the top for some airflow. And he's just in this thing. We need to get in now. Is this making any sense? There's so much. I can tell you a lot. And I'm trying to see where to choose what not to say today and close this up. The Bible says that Noah, he walked in close fellowship with God. He walked in close fellowship with God. Chapter 6, verse 9. He walked in close fellowship with God. Sorry, in verse 7, verse 9. He walked in close fellowship with God. He walked with God. The safe place for us to be, the ark, is walking with God. Jesus said in, in John chapter 15, I in you and you in me. I in you and you in me. I in you and you in me. We have to get in to Christ. The Lord, we, we're, we're willing for him to come to us, Right? Come to me, Jesus. I need help. But then we have to go into him to get into his heart. Where is his heart? Where is his heart? His word. 
The word is, Christ is the word made flesh. That means if I want to know the heart of God, where do I go to find it? His word. We need to get into, come on, everybody say, go in. You come out of the world. Well, what's the world? It's very simple. Outside of his word. It's not confusing. All the world is, is just anything, anything outside of his word. It's very simple. Outside of his word is the world. You don't have to try to define it. The word does it for you. We come out of the world. We go into the word. And inside that word is a place of protection. It's a place of safety. It secures your safety. One day that flood came to an end. One day the door was open again. The spirit of God. The door was open and the dove was let out. The spirit of God And the Bible says that one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth where the Spirit of God will be, he'll be, he's been fighting and pulling for us and yearning for us. And it's been a flood, but one day we'll have a fresh start. And it will be those that have made the decision to go in. Does that make sense? I could say a million other things as I say every single week, let's stand. Lord, I thank you and praise you, God, that you are leading us. I thank you, Lord. Lord, we are not afraid. Your word says that we have no reason to be ashamed. We have no reason to be ashamed because we trust in you, because we lean upon you, because we don't just call you Savior, but we call you Lord. We thank you that you're our Savior, but you gave us the, that's not your title, that's who you are for us. We call you Lord. I thank you, Lord, that when we call you Lord, I thank you, God. And when we stay in the parameters, Lord, the perimeter, even if it feels tight sometimes because of our flesh, because of our unwillingness to yield to you, Lord, I thank you that it's there to protect us, that you bound it in leather, Lord, to protect us, to keep us safe from the floods of delusion. I thank you, Lord, that we will not be in the flood. I thank you, Lord, that you have called us in and we're saying yes, Lord. We've said yes, Lord. We're going to keep saying yes and keep saying yes to you, Lord. I thank you, God, that you have prepared a place for us. You prepared a way for us to be saved. Thank you, Jesus, that you prepared the way. You had a blueprint and you said, Noah, just as you're saying to this church, Do what I've asked you to do, and you don't have to fear. Do what I've called for you. Follow the blueprint. Follow the way. Thank you, Jesus, that you said you are the way, the truth, and the life. And I thank you, Lord, that through you we can come to the Father. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.